You're listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast, where together we thrive in life by using our faith to find strength, direction, and purpose. Full of wit, wisdom, and a little grit and grace, Cubicles in Christ provides the inspiration you need to be strong and spiritually authentic in all you do. And now, your host, author, speaker, certified executive coach, Kelly Johnson. Today, we're going to talk about how we can find God in our wallets and our checkbooks. That's right. We're going to talk about money. I was recently reading an article about money on Forbes.com, and the author of the book, Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid, stated, that money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Money is mentioned more than 800 times, and the message is clear and consistent. Nowhere in scripture is debt viewed in a positive way. Today, I'm going to talk to a financial coach who is going to give us some insight on how we can be better stewards of our finances. I know you're going to enjoy the conversation, and I hope that you'll come over to the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook to share your thoughts and what you learned. As we step into this new season of Cubicles in Christ, we are going to explore how we find God in some of the unexpected places, and one of those is our finances. Today, I'm joined by one of my absolute best friends, Trina Williams. She has over 18 years of analytics and financial management experience. She currently works for a major telecom company, originally from the south side of Chicago, now living in the Dallas area. And she's worked for several other Fortune 500 organizations. So she has amazing corporate finance experience. And now she's going to share her journey of really using her gifts and talents for the kingdom. A little bit more about Trina. She's a wife, a mom. She's a sister, a great friend. And I'm really excited to have you here today, Trina. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Kelly, for having me on your show. Yes. I appreciate it. Yes. Ready to share. Awesome. So let's kind of pick up with um, that first theme around finding God in unexpected places, because so much of this show is about being spiritually authentic. And it's really our vision through Cubicles in Christ to help everyone be spiritually authentic in every area of life, um, whether that's health, relationships, our careers and businesses. And to me, and you and I have talked about this so many times, that includes our finances. What, what do you say about that? For me, um, you know, you know my background, you know me better than a lot of people. But growing up in poverty, you know, I learned at a very young age how to stretch a dollar and how to manage a household. But, you know, I was never taught the value of managing money in a healthy way that includes tithing, saving, investing, and giving back. Um, So when I started making a decent living, I realized, you know, I wasn't really a good steward over my finances. Um, Most people who really know me know that I'm very frugal. Hmm. That's that's kind of an understatement, but okay. but, but, (laughs) But, you know... But I'll never forget this one time when we ran into a a difficult financial situation, all because I wanted to take a family vacation, searching for my significance. And we're on a series in that. But um, that at that time, we couldn't afford it. 
I honestly thought this vacation validated that I had arrived and I was no longer my past. You know, I was no longer the girl on welfare and that my son was going to experience things that, you know, I never got to experience growing up. And granted, he was only two, but I thought it meant something. <laughs> it was important to me. Yeah. You know, but that vacation cost me more than I bargained for. And it was a pivotal shift in how I began to really manage money. You see, I missed a car payment that to take that vacation and they repossessed my car. Now, at the time, I thought the lady at the bank was being so evil. I'm like, how are you going to send a repossession request over one month? I missed one month. But I came to realize, you know, that was God teaching me a lesson. Once we got out of that situation, I got my car back. I prayed and I asked God to help me to give me the right perspective regarding money. I completely surrendered our finances to him and committed to giving him our first fruit. And that was like 17 years ago. And I've never been late on it. Like they will never get another car, another house. I've paid, you know, what I needed to pay on time because it taught me a lesson. And I'm the type of person I only need to learn it once. And when you look at Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek the kingdom of God first above everything and live righteously. And he'll give us everything we need, the vacation, the house, you know, the cars, whatever we need, if we put money in the right perspective and seek him first. Yeah, I love that. And I, I appreciate you sharing a bit of your background and you and I share that, you know, I also grew up not always knowing how we were going to eat dinner and coming from a background where money was always tight and just having that level of awareness, even as a child, you know, that money was tight. And then, you know, through the grace of God, being able to grow into careers that provided a nice level of income. It, no one ever taught me really how to manage money. And I picked up a few things here and there along the way, but you're right. I think it's a skill set. And I also think that managing our finances is a way to honor the Lord, right? Being a good steward. There are so many parables in the Bible that refer to money. And I just think that that's interesting in terms of like church, for example, a lot of times the sermons about money are usually limited to tithing. And yes, that's a really important principle. It's an important aspect of obedience. But what are your thoughts about managing money in a healthy way and how that correlates to our relationship with the Lord? I've been doing a lot of research for my business. And what I've discovered that the mindset of the, around money is amazing, right? And it's not just the worldly problem because 52%, over half Americans, spend more than they earn. Mm. 21% regularly have money expenses in excess of their monthly income. And 31.5% adjust their spending the following month to get themselves back on track. That's staggering. So that tells me that it's not just a worldly problem, but that's a spiritual problem as well, because you know what? The church is included in that 52%. You're right. That's why it's so important to examine the psychology behind our spending habits so that we can allow God to unlock what's driving, how, when, and why we spend money. Are we trying to fill voids that only God can fill? 
Are we in search of significance like I was when I thought I needed to take that family vacation instead of paying my car note? <laughs> or does money give us a false sense of security, like we've arrived or we've made it according to the world standard? One thing's for sure, one thing I know for sure is that God, you know, God's not going to continue to give us something that he can't trust us with. Oh, girl, say that. <laughs> He's not. So it's important to get to the root of your money problems. And most of the time that requires looking at our past. Like you said, you know, looking at our childhood, you know, what were we taught about money? And it's sad in our community. We were never taught the right mindset about money and we never invited God into our finances, not just our tithing, but into our finances, into how I pay my car note, how I save money, what house should I buy? When I did my own 2019 budget, after I was done, I prayed over it and I surrendered it to God. Now he already knows the goals that I have for savings, what I want to accomplish financially this year, but I still surrendered it to him. And that's the key to giving, you know, that's the key to success is give him back what he's already given you. So I, I put it, you know, my budget, you know, I'm an Excel, you know, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I put it in, and after I was done, I sat in front of my computer and I prayed about my budget. I'm like, Lord, you see the numbers on this screen. You see what I want to do. I'm giving this to you and praying that it's in your will. And I left it alone. One of the things that I love about you is whenever we talk about money, yeah. what you share is often really simple, but so profound. And I know that you're in the process of launching your financial coaching business, Grace Financial Services. And we'll talk a little bit more later about how people can get in touch with you. But um, I want to go back for a moment about the mindset aspect, because I know that when you're working with your clients, you really like to start there. Um, The budget will come, the spreadsheets will come, but -hmm. if we don't get to the root of it, that's so important. And I know that the mindset issues or what's underneath, it can ebb and flow based on different seasons of our lives. And I know it, at one point for me, my spending was tied to, it was a distraction. Right. It was like a temporary fix to a bigger issue that was happening in my life. Um, and so I would go shopping because there's that, you know, a little bit of an adrenaline rush when you get something on sale and it's super cute and I just have to have it. Right. So all those endorphins start increasing because I just landed a super cute outfit on sale or full price, depending on how much I wanted it. Um, Just being real, but it can change. So sometimes, so for those of you out there who had a really great childhood and maybe you're parents, your family taught you how to spend money in a healthy way, those, depending on where we are in life, the reasons we spend or the reasons we don't save can, can change and shift. And so I just think that's important to, to highlight. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I had one client, my first client um, on Saturday, and she said, I spend when I'm happy. I spend when I'm sad. Wow. I, she like food. You know how some people have where they find their comfort in food. Right. She found her comfort in spending. She was like, I, I, so I spend when I'm down and when I'm up. So it, there's no, okay, my spending trends down when I'm, when I'm in a better place. No, her spending goes up. I mean, it goes up regardless. And so we're working to get to the root of why. Yeah. Why do you spend when you're down and you're up? Like you gotta have, pick one. You can't, 
Just pick one. You can't have both. Um, But we're working on that, you know, and the first thing that I told her is I'm proud of you because the first thing I'll tell anyone is admit the problem. And after they've done that step, now it's time to address the mess. Let's address this. Right. Um, And I have a complete questionnaire that I ask them, you know, what are your goals? What are you what are you willing to commit to? You know, will you adhere to some strict budget guidelines that I will give you? Um, And what does success look like to you? Because a lot of times in our finances, we never really think about it past what I have in my account. We never look at it for goals and how how to successfully manage it. So, you know, I know what success looks like to me for a client. I'll be able to see a shift in their mindset about money. I had one client tell me she gets emotional every time she thinks about the fact that she's been able to reduce debt. And then she has money left over after she pays all of her bills. And it's such a good feeling. But most importantly, she's passing down what she's learned about managing money to her daughter. So how many of us, like you said, can say that we had we've learned healthy ways about managing money? And what what are we passing down? What legacy are we leaving regarding finances? Mm-hmm. That's a huge topic. And you know, I love talking about or thinking about the legacy that we leave our children or nieces and nephews, what have you. Um, I also think, I love those questions that you talk about with your clients, but I also love how you referenced, okay, you can have a plan, you can have a budget, you could have a spreadsheet with macros running in the background. Aren't you? Are you impressed? I am. Thank you. Okay. You're yes. welcome. Okay. I'm speaking your love language. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you can have all the formulas, macros, whatever, pivot tables. Ooh, yes. there you go. Ooh, pivot tables. I'm proud of you. Yes. All right. <laughs> you get an A. You get an A. Thank you. Thank you. I'm working hard. I'm learning from you. But I love how you talked about praying over your budget. Mm -hmm. Like that is so simple, but profound. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I think most of my money prayers have been, Lord, you, oh Lord, you see like this bill is coming. (laughs) Lord, this bill is coming due and I don't have the money. Lord, you're my way maker. Oh yes. You're my miracle worker. Hallelujah. Move Lord. You know, it's, <laughs> I call them like crisis prayers. Right? right. Right. But I love how on the front end, first of all, you've set your 2019 annual budget. Um, you've mapped it out. You've been a good steward. You've been responsible by creating a plan, but then praying ab- about it and surrendering it to the Lord proactively. I just love that. I think that is so huge. Yes. And I do that every year. And you know me, I'm a, and here's another thing. I'm not a budget month to month kind of girl. I'm a budget for the whole year. So what you see in my budget is not just for January, not just for February. It's for January through December. And that's my plan. That's what I give to him. This is what I want to do this year. This is what I want to save. This is the vacation I want to take. This is what I want to give in tithe. This, I give all of that to him, all of it. And, and I say, here you go. These are my plans, but is it your plan? So, you know, do I need to tweak the vacation? You know, maybe I need to scale back on where I'm going, or maybe I don't need to take one at all this year. But whatever it is, I'm giving it to you because it's not mine in the first place. 
It's mm-hmm. yours. And if and if if I give it to you and you want me to have it and I have it, I'm gonna have. I'm not gonna be stressed when I get back and worry about finances because I wanted to take a vacation, but because I surrendered all of that to you in the beginning. Yeah. Well, and I think just kind of hearing you talk and we focus so much on spiritual authenticity within cubicles in Christ. And I think you just hit the nail on the head when you said probably the first mindset shift is that the money we have is not even ours, right? The jobs we have or the businesses we have, those aren't ours either. It's a tool that he gives us so that we can have an income. But if we're really drilling down to the heart of spiritual authenticity and finances, I think the first mindset shift, maybe just for me, I don't know about others, is is a reminder that it's his money. Yes. Yes. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and who better person to tell us how to manage it, right, than him? That's true. Jesus was a carpenter. So that means he had a trade. He had a craft. People had to have paid him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's interesting. The Bible never really talks about Jesus's like money in, you know, issues or concerns, but he definitely taught a lot of parables about money. Um So I just think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. To me, he's the best financial planner ever. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best financial coach, the best financial analyst. If we want to learn how to do it right, we have to give it to him and let us train and and allow him to train us how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Something that I think you and I've talked about as well is that God's economy is different than ours. Exactly. Exactly. And so I do think that there is um, a point in our walk as we mature that God can definitely bring us to a place where we do have to rely completely on him for our finances, whatever situation or season we're in. And what I mean by that is, and you know, there's people that we know that have made it through financial situations where two plus two did not equal four for them. Right. 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 God caused two plus two to equal 10 for them. He stretched whatever it is he provided and he made a way. And so while it is important to map it out on paper, ultimately we have to trust God and ask him to help us to understand his economy because his math can be very different from ours. Right. And like you said, he can be that way maker, you know, even, you know, early on, when I would put numbers on paper, I'm like, God, you know, I see it, but this is not all adding up. How is this going to work? How are we going to do that? We had at the time, two kids in daycare, very expensive. We had car notes and mortgage and, you know, we were doing decent, but you keep adding up expenses, especially with kids. It was, the numbers just didn't look right on paper. But when I say he made a way every time, and and he made a way every time because when I had Jalen, that's when the car got repossessed. But by the time I had Tyler, we had Tyler, I learned. And so I, I early on started giving him back. Lord, look, you see these numbers and they don't make sense. But every time he made a way. Yeah. Every time. And that's 
that's what that's what it looks like when you surrender your finances to him. He'll make a way every time. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a living witness to that, (laughs) you know, putting putting having two kids at one point in private school and eventually shifting and adjusting that. But as you know, my oldest was um, approaching his senior year in high school. And so we really felt like we had to trust God, you know, and I'll never forget calling you and telling you because we had to make a decision. Do we take him out of his school, his senior year? Like that's tough. Yes. But we knew how much his tuition would cost. We knew that on paper, it wasn't there. Like it wasn't there at all. (laughs) Right. Right. And um, I'll never forget telling you, you know what? I'm going to believe that God is the author and the finisher. Yes. And I believe that God would want our son to finish where he started, a school that he was thriving in and doing really well in. After, you know, he had gone through some challenges at his previous school. Right. And, you know, I'm so thankful for those times, even when it was difficult, even when I didn't understand God's economy. But I'm also thankful for the hard lessons that he has taught me when money wasn't there and how I needed to shift my own behavior, shift some of my preferences. Yes. We've had talks about this. <laughs> We've had talks about my preferences. Him, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> um, we've talked about those and my tendencies. Yes. And uh, so this is a personal, I mean, talking about money is personal for me. I think it's personal for everyone. Um, and I, and so I kind of want to touch on that for a minute because money is sensitive, right? No one right. likes to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm broke. And, oh my gosh, I have $5 left and I don't get paid for another two weeks. You know, no one wants to come and share that. No one wants to be at work with the, with their friends and be like, ooh, yeah, we just got paid, but I have no more money. Or I'm at church sitting next to somebody and I'm not sure if I'm going to have gas money to get home. Like, uh-huh. it's so yes. hard. It's real. Um, and yes. it's real. Yes. So given that, a lot of times when people come to you for help, you know, financial coaching, they're overwhelmed, they might be desperate. How do you help them? Or what are some results of other clients that you've worked with? Um, that, you know, back to the point, the first thing I would tell them is admit that. Be transparent and be authentic about, about where you are financially. Um, I would tell them, you know, that God gives us grace when we don't manage our debt correctly and that it's never too late to shift your mindset and to get it right. But the first thing you have to do is ask God to adjust your attitude regarding your finances. That's important to do. You have to adjust your attitude. And, you know, you just said it earlier. (laughs) Some of us go fighting. (laughs) Yeah. Adjust that attitude. And that's rightfully so. And like I told you, you know, you work hard to get to your standards that you have for what you want. But God can shift those every now and then. And sometimes, you know, as we talked about, you know, yesterday, he can reposition you for something better. And so it's it's okay to readjust your mindset about your finances. Maybe you were in the land of plenty and you're no longer there anymore. And that's where that shift has to happen. So I would tell them, 
to be okay knowing that you have to shift your mindset depending on the season you're in. And it's never too late to get it right. Absolutely. And I'm reminded, one of my favorite verses, um, my mother used to quote this to me a lot. Um, It's Zechariah 4.10. And it says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And so just for encouragement to anyone, maybe your debt is not where you want it to be. Maybe you're overwhelmed by debt or maybe your earnings are just not enough to meet um, your monthly bills, just sort of the standard cost of living. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to get really discouraged about where we are. Um, or maybe none of that applies to you, but maybe you just haven't even started saving for retirement on the level that you know you should, right? So you feel a little bit of guilt because it's like, I'm making all of this money and I'm not putting enough away for my retirement years or or for my kids' college savings or whatever it is. I think most of us can look at our finances and find areas for growth, find areas where we could do better. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I think it's important that we not despise the small beginnings or despise where we are today. And notice in Zechariah 4.10, it says that the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Yes. And so when we begin to do the work to live on a budget, live within our means, put away for retirement or a rainy day, God is actually rejoicing over that. Yes. Yes. I mean, God wants us to have control of our finances, like I said, so we can leave a legacy to our children. I mean, Proverbs 13, 22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Yeah. It's like that's legacies from now, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. So when we hear words like debt, deficit, deficiency, they shouldn't cause us to stress out. I mean, we shouldn't lose sleep over these words. I mean, living debt-free is not just a benefit for us and our families, but it's so that we can give back, so that we can help others. It's, It's what God requires of us. So it's important that we shift our mindset no matter where you are. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Yes. If you need help, that's okay, because there are resources out there for a reason to help you manage debt or help you build your savings or help you, you know, think about retirement. It's for a reason. That's why God gives us certain talents so that we can give back and help others. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that, because that kind of leads me to my next question um, about what do you think? What's your number one recommendation if someone's dealing with maybe major debt right now, or just their finances are not where they'd like them to be. Um, What advice would you give them? Um, I would tell them to ask for help. And I don't mean God. Ask God to show them the areas that they don't manage their resources correctly. And then after he shows them, then seek help. If you don't know how to manage a budget, just write down what your goals are. Write down what you want to accomplish in your finances just this year and pray over those things. And then ask God to show you a plan to get started. Because a lot of times the most important thing we have to do that we don't do is get control. Mm -hmm. We have to get control. 
And we don't want to get control because we're used to living a certain way. We're used to spending a certain way. We're used to, you know, seeing those shoes and we can buy them. We could afford them. We can buy them until we go get them. And we don't like to rein it all in. And that's the biggest step is getting control. Admitting you have a problem, address the mess, address it, adjust the attitude. And then after you've done all those things, get control, whatever control looks like to you. It could be small things like, okay, I'm, I do Starbucks, but I'm only going to do it three days this week. Not every day, not twice a day. Right. It's getting control. Okay. I'm going to buy shoes, but you know, I don't need to buy shoes every weekend. Right. Control is the most important and it's self-control because a lot of our spending habits are because we have no self-control for whatever your reason, whatever drives your spending habits, we have no self-control. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that you're really encouraging people to ask for help and there are a ton of free tools. I mean, a lot of the banks nowadays, wherever you have your checking or savings account, there's a lot of free online tools um, where you can track your spending. And I know with, you know, the, with where we bank, we can download a spending report Mm -hmm. and it will break down in like pie chart form, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how much we have spent um, and in what categories we're spending the most money. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can look at that on a monthly quarterly or annual basis to see what are the trends. And I, sometimes I think we don't actually realize where our money is going. Right. Right. And that, that's another key. I'm glad you brought that up with my client. Here's what I told her. I want you to write down where you think you spend your money. And then we're going to track to where you actually spend your money. Because I think a lot of the times we think our spend, we spend our money on the major things. And we do, like our mortgage, our car notes, our necessities, right? But there's also, if you look at that trend, you're also spending on the unnecessary. We do. We spend a lot on the unnecessary because it makes us feel a certain way. Like I said, she says she spends when she's happy. She spends when she's sad. And what she's spending on is what we have to get control over her spending habits. But that, that requires you to sit down and really look inwardly and examine your habits, your psychology behind why, why you spend money and when. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because um, I know when I looked at it once, I was really surprised at how much we were spending on food. Mm -hmm. Okay. So food is a necessity, right? Yes. But we were spending weekly on groceries and then we were spending weekly on eating out. Yes. And both were much higher than what I thought they would be. And when you think about it, it was like, okay, hold on. If I'm buying groceries and I'm eating out. Right. Like I don't need to do both. (laughs) It, It would almost, it would be better for us to decide. Right don't buy groceries at all or very, very little and eat out or vice versa. Stop eating out and buy groceries and actually cook the food that you buy. Right. (laughs) But we were doing both. And it wasn't until I um, downloaded the spending report that I was able to see, wow, it just doesn't even make sense. Like this isn't even smart. There's so much waste in here. And you know what is so funny? You were doing both. Because you could. And sometimes just because we can't do something doesn't mean that's what we 
need to do. Imagine had you, you know how I am about savings, right? You know, imagine had you put 50% of what you were spending eating out or in grocery in a savings account or in an IRA or in your 401k or where, wherever you choose to invest. Imagine if you got control over that and just reallocated it somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I get excited over numbers. And so when I do have a plan <laughs> and it's working, I get so, it's, I'm like, Ooh, look at that. Look at my number. <laughs> yes, you do. I'm hitting my goals. Oh, look at that. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so proud of me. I'm patting myself on the back. It's like, Trina, you knew you were going to do that all the time because that's, what drives me, I mean, that to me is a result. And it's not just about putting numbers in an account or growing numbers in an account. To me, it's about self-control. To me, it's about, I set out a goal and I accomplished it. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel better than whatever the number may be. Yeah. Right? Then that means you're shifting your mindset. That means you're changing how you think, how you think about money and how you manage what you have and what God has given you. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to um, close out in a moment, but as I'm listening to you and and hearing your enthusiasm over numbers, um, which I've heard before, but it's reminding me of why, why this show, why have, you know, why have you come on and talk about finances, right? Um, and I would love if you would share a little bit about your why, because I think that, and you can keep it high level, but I think that one of the reasons why I wanted us to talk about finding God in the unexpected places this year is that, you know, I'm all about purpose, helping other people walk in their purpose and their calling, using their gifts and talents. And I think sometimes we minimize those gifts and talents. And so one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on this show is not just because I think you would be so helpful to other people in their financial journey, but I think it's a great example of God equipping you, giving you the gifts to help people and you having to kind of walk a journey out coming out of your comfort zone to even do financial coaching right now, because you have a great corporate job, you have a great life and you don't necessarily have to do grace financial services. Right. Right. I mean, I'm just being honest. You don't have to. No, I don't. This is an act of obedience. Yes. Fighting and kicking, but. (laughs) (laughs) So. Just kind of talk about maybe, even if you don't share your why, like what was your process of getting to a place where you said yes to God? Um, Here's what I learned. This is what God showed me about myself. And you and I have had these conversations. Kelly, I I didn't realize that I was managing a household at like 15, like paying bills, paying electric, like managing a household at 15. And I think that's, that's what God instilled in me because he knew at the time that's what we needed, right? And so my why is I wanted to, it started with my family. So the first budget that I did was my nieces. And I've been telling her, 
she, you know, had graduated from nursing school and I'm like, okay, now you're making decent money. Now it's time to be smart with how you spend your money. And, you know, of course, of course she didn't want to, you know, oh, really now, but then she came back to me and she was like, okay, help me. And that's what I did. And it was painful. I put on a budget. It was painful at first, but now to hear her say that, wow, I can't do without it. Like it shifted how I think about money. So my why came from wanting to help my family because I don't want another generation of poverty to go for it. Like I don't want what I learned about money and what, you know, even my mom and my grandmother, they knew the best they could, but I, I wanted to shift in my family, my direct family, how we manage money, how we see money, how we pass on to our children the concepts about the precepts about money. And so it started with my family. And then, you know, I did another niece and then my sister. And, you know, I just I started inwardly with my family just wanting to shift our mindset about money. I mean, we've all gone through financial struggles and, you know, we hadn't made the best decisions about money. So I really wanted that change to start at home with my family. Mm. And so now, you know, I have nieces there, you know, coming out of college and they're going to be making decent money. And I want them to know that it's not how, like you said, humble beginnings, but it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. We can pass something different on to our family, to the next generation, leave a legacy of being college educated, money management, you know, all of that started from my humble beginnings because I didn't want them to go through what I'd gone through. Yeah. That's, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It reminds me of that song. I think it's one of your favorites, but it's, you know, the chorus is um, the change I want to see must first begin in me. I surrender. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's totally what we're talking about today. Um, this has been so great. Uh, I know there's going to be people who want to get in touch with you. So what's the best way for people to reach out and connect with you and learn more about how you can help them? Um, I can be reached by email, the best way to reach me. And it's gracefinancialsbc at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I'll be sure to include your email link in the show notes. So for those of you who are driving and can't write that down right now, <laughs> but it's gracefinancialsvc at gmail.com, which stands for Grace Financial Services. Trina, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, Kelly, for stretching me outside of my comfort zone and getting me to talk about a topic that, you know, is one of my first loves. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, let's pray and uh, then we'll close out. Gracious Lord, we just bless your name and we thank you for growing us and stretching us into better stewards of the resources that you have blessed us with. Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. Lord, you are a way maker. Lord, you do own the cattle on a thousand hills. And Lord, you provide manna from heaven. And so we just thank you for your provision. But today, Lord, we ask for help yes. in surrendering our finances to you, surrendering our goals, surrendering our dreams to you, Lord. And we ask you to direct our path. Your word says that if we acknowledge you in all of our ways, that you will direct our path. 
And Lord, we believe today that that includes our finances. And so we're acknowledging you, Father, as the ultimate CFO, the ultimate controller, the ultimate accountant. And for those who may be experiencing lack today or financial strain or stress, Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. I thank you, Lord, for blessing them and giving them what they need, Father. I pray for supernatural um, ways to get out of debt, Father, but a way that also teaches us how to come out of these situations better, come out of these situations more disciplined, Father. We're not asking for a quick fix so that we can go back to doing what we were doing before. Lord, I'm praying, we are praying and believing that you help each of us to build a financial legacy for our children, grandchildren, and beyond. Lord, help us to take the lessons that you have taught us and to share them with our children, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren. Lord, with the community. Yes, God. Lord, we are asking you to enlarge our territory, not so that we can just amass a bunch of stuff that is temporary. We're asking you to enlarge our territories so that we can touch more of your people, more people who are lost, more people who are in need. So today, Lord, we just bless you. We thank you. We magnify your name and we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Until next time, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast. The inspiration and wisdom doesn't stop here. Join the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook and let's keep the conversation going. For more ways to feed your soul and walk in purpose, connect with Kelly at IamKellyJohnson.com and follow her on Facebook and Instagram.